If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, I'm Gina Farrar. Welcome to the Feminine Roadmap Podcast, a global community of women in midlife. We gather here weekly over a cup of something wonderful for real talk, life-changing strategies, and a big dose of sisterhood. Now, please sit back and enjoy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Feminine Roadmappers. Welcome back to Feminine Roadmap Podcast, the podcast that helps you navigate the challenges and the changes of midlife and empowers you to live a vibrant second half. If you are finding us on YouTube today, please remember to click subscribe and ring that bell so you don't miss any more of these empowering conversations. If you are on my podcast platform or my website, please subscribe and rate because today we are going to be talking about money. We're going to talk about how everyone is capable of learning how to own their own money with just a little bit of time and effort. And to have this conversation with me is Marcy Grossman. She's a CPA, a financial literacy expert and educator and the author of Money Marcy's Guide to Financial Literacy. Marcy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Gina. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I think women and money is one of those things that 
kind of doesn't get covered often enough. And those of us who are married, we're sharing this responsibility, or maybe we're not involved in this responsibility. And then I also have part of my tribe that is single, and they have no choice but to understand their money. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you um, passionate about financial literacy. I am a second generation CPA, and I have been practicing for over 30 years and in a wide variety of ways in public accounting, as well as I worked with a faith-based nonprofit for a number of years. And I found that no matter how old or young someone is, no matter how much education they have, and no matter how much money they have, they don't always understand the concepts of money and the control they would have by being aware of, of what various decisions meant. And so I felt it was important to find a way to reach out to people and, and help them understand. So I, I wrote my, my book, but I called it Guide because that sounds a little more friendly. And it's not a big, heavy um, tomb of, of you know wisdom in great, expansive words. It's written in English. Uh, I wrote it as if I was talking to my two sons who are early 20s, and if I was explaining things to them and their friends. So it's intelligent without being intellectual, and it's accessible and in bite-sized morsels. I told them to leave it in the bathroom and read it when they're on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what it has to be. This is, this is a life skill that isn't actively taught. And I felt we needed a better way to reach out and, and make it accessible for people. Mm. So I'm wondering, what is it about money? Why do we want to avoid it? What, what is it about money that makes us, you know, not want to face it, not want to talk about it? Because it's such an integral part of our lives. But it's also so personal because, you know, would you want to broadcast this is what I earned? or this is what I have in savings, or this is how my investments have done. Mm -hmm. And so because certain aspects of it are very private, we treat the whole subject as private and personal and don't get around to sharing the parts we should, especially with you know, our, our immediate family. Mm -hmm. It's so easy when you're a married couple, oh, this person is handling the finances, and the other one says, okay, I'll handle other stuff. I really don't want to deal with it. Whether it's numbers make me crazy or money is just a hassle. And so they don't become involved in it. And, and that's dangerous. Mm. I mean, it's dangerous because nobody lives forever. And the chance is at one point in time or another, if, if you're a married couple, one of you will no longer be here. And if the person who is no longer here is the one that handled the money, the one left behind is, is going to be in a tough spot if they weren't at least aware of who to trust, where to find things, what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to fall in those rhythms in life, though, you know. So let's talk a little bit about your general maybe hangups about money. What are the things that you come up against that you're helping people face when it comes to finances? Well, one of the first ones is that they have to make time to talk to the other person if, mm -hmm. they're, if they're in a partnership. If they're on their own, they have to actually look at what they have and see how they're doing. 
the more money you have, the more mistakes you can afford to make. But those mistakes do impact you. Even if they don't impact you today, that becomes savings you couldn't make or a vacation you can't take later or whatever it is. And it's really taking the time, making the effort to be aware of what's going on and what your, what your situation is. I, I advise people to do a net worth at least once a year and just list things out and see how their investments are doing. Uh, understanding that there are market changes. So even if they didn't take money out any given day, the market could be down. You know, their, the value of their house could be down. Theoretically, their mortgage balance is down from a year ago because they've been paying it. But just taking the time and making the time to be aware of these things, to, mm -hmm. to check and see if, you know, in the course of this last year, did I spend more than I earned? Do, do we need to be making some major adjustments? Mm. It's interesting in this market right now as well. There's so much insecurity. I think there's always insecurity, right? But there are times in history or times in our lives where things begin to feel a certain sort of way, stressful, scary. And are you finding that those of us of a certain age, um, fear is a big part of the financial journey? Fear is a huge part of the financial journey. And we're, we're set up that even if you've got a savings mindset from when you're, let's say, in the 20s and you start working and through your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, maybe you hit 60s or maybe it's not until you hit 70 that, that you stop working and earning and you've got this lovely nest egg. And I have older clients that still won't pay it, they, that, that won't spend it. They end up with a significant asset. And when you combine what that generates in a year to their uh, social security and if they have any pensions and whatever else, and they might have 50, 60, 70, however much thousand dollars a year that they can spend, but they had been living on 40, they won't expand it to, to what they now have to live on because that is their new normal. They're not gonna be putting away for retirement anymore. They're on Medicare, so the supplemental insurance might be cheaper than what they had been paying, or the benefits might be higher. They're not paying for their kids anymore, whatever. So they've got an annual income higher than what they had had pre-retirement, and they're still afraid to spend. Mm. And this is what you worked for. This is this is what you were. This is why you worked. You know, don't go above it. If you if you're earning that you have to spend is let's say sixty thousand a year, don't spend seventy, but you can spend fifty. You know, the taxes are different because you don't have the social security tax on any of this income. So even if your gross is the same now as it was when you were working, your take home is higher. Be aware of what these numbers are. Don't don't be afraid of them. They're you're taking the required minimum, you're getting your social security. Those aren't really going to go away on you at this point in time. It's okay to enjoy yourself and, and not be sitting there worried about the pennies the way you might have been in your earlier working days. It's a difficult thing to shift because I think we spend the majority of our lives absolutely defined by our income, you know? Our income and our savings. Mm -hmm. But the problem is for people to know what income you have, they only see it by what you spend. So we've got people with a lot of money living relatively small lives 
because they're savers. And we've got people with not necessarily any more money who are living much more lavish lives who have much bigger debt. And if you were to look at them from the outside, oh, this one is definitely earning more. If you were to look at them from the inside, from their net worth, the other one has a much more significant net worth. So that's another reason that it's private because you know you don't want them to know you have money or they don't want you to know that they don't have money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, becomes, it becomes very hard. And you have to find ways to have these conversations, not necessarily how much money you have, but about your various beliefs about money. And, and you're not going to have it with your friend, but you'll have it with your accountant. You'll have it with your spouse. Maybe you'll have it with your kids. You'll have it with your financial professionals, whatever it might be. You need to have someone to talk to because chances are you don't know everything. I'm a, I'm a CPA. I'm a financial literacy educator. I don't know everything. I have experts that I have do the things that they're experts in. Mm-hmm. That piece about understanding and, you know, being willing to have the conversation is hard for a lot of people, even within a marriage, it's difficult to have that conversation because you mentioned what you believe about money. And I think that can be a sticking point because people feel so differently about money. People believe so differently about money. What, what are some of the ways that you help people identify their own beliefs? Cause I'm not sure everyone even knows what they believe about money until they come into a stressful situation. <laughs> You don't know what you believe about money because you picked up your beliefs from your parents, Mm. not necessarily from what they believed, but from what you witnessed Mm. and how you interpreted what you saw. So you bring that into into your life and your adulthood. And then it's a matter of is it something that made you feel good and you're going to continue acting in the way that you assume they were acting based on your interpretation of what you saw? Or are you going to say, I don't know how they did that? and be opposed to that to find a different way without even realizing how that is impacting your decisions. So then you're bringing this into a relationship and you've got to figure out how do I talk to the other person? And then there are multiple relationships. So it's one thing if you have a first marriage in your 20s or even early 30s and you grow up together and over the course of buying that first house or having a family or whatever else, you start communicating about money and building it. If it's a second marriage and if there are kids on one side or another, then it becomes a whole much bigger conversation you need to have. I I tell everyone before you get married, you need to have a financial conversation with each other, potentially with a financial professional who can help you bridge gaps and learn how to communicate Mm -hmm. and, and figure out how to get both of your goals on the table. Mm. because you can't row a boat if the people are rowing in different directions. You're not going to get where you want to go. And that's, let's be honest, one of the biggest stressors in a marriage is finances. Am I right? Right. And if you don't talk about your finances, it's even a bigger stress because, you know, there are stories. One person brings debt into the marriage that the other one doesn't know about. They're working to, to pay off debt. This one's working to pay for a house. And if you're not talking, if you're not communicating, putting that on the table, it's it's hard to move forward from that. And so you work on a budget together. You work on a net worth together. Uh, I've 
prepared tax returns for a, a second marriage client and they kept their taxes separate. They, they did married filing separate, each of them, because that way they could keep their money separate. They each had kids from prior marriages and they figured out a way, this is what we put into the us and this is what we keep for ourselves and whatever. And, and, you know, if it works for them, then that's the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's how much communication they needed to do that. They agreed this was the plan for them. Others merge. I mean, there's, there's no wrong answer unless it doesn't work for you. I feel like we feel funny about money, you know, because money equals so much emotionally, right? Money has so much attached to it. Right. It does have a lot of emotion attached to it. But you also have to remember money is a tool. Mm. Money is, is something that you use to get other things, whether it's a secure retirement or wonderful travel or gifts that you give, whatever it is, money is only a tool. If at the end of, of your last day, you have a lot of money in your bank, that's great for your beneficiaries. Uh, you know, they'll appreciate you. But what did it do for you if your life was stressed out by money creating that, that wealth that you don't get to benefit from? Mm. We need to find, find ways to understand our money so that our money can empower us, not that we're empowering our money. Mm. That's a powerful shift in perspective. Seeing it as something, a tool that we use that empowers us. I do feel like the way you describe that, I feel like a lot of people, money is something you put aside or, you know, there's never enough. Or if I spend it, I won't have any. Like these ideas that money is like a, a fickle friend in our lives. And that's how we emotionally relate to money. But everything you said is true. Money is something we put aside. But it's not that we put it aside to put it aside. We put it aside to give us security later. Mm -hmm. Money is something, if we spend it all, then it is gone. We have the experience from what we spent it for. And what is the value of that experience versus what is the value of putting it away for that security later? But ultimately, we only have two resources in life. We have time and we have money. And you use your money to free up your time. If I pay for someone to mow my lawn mm -hmm. or I use my time to get me more money, which is mowing my lawn myself or going out and getting a second job, whatever it is. And, and those are the two trade-offs. And if you, if you work to equate the two of them together and, and see how they trade off and, and their interrelationship, then you start feeling the power of that money, of how significant it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's the courage. For some people, it takes a lot of courage to talk about money, to look at money. You know, there are some people who seem to just get it, you know? And there's other people, like, I know some people that you can hear their money squeak, you know? And then <laughs> did you rub two pennies together, then that money is screaming because they're getting every last drop out of those pennies. And that's not a criticism. It's an observation. Then you have other people that are like, well, you know, I'll just make more or whatever. Like, they're able to, to enjoy the money that they have. What strategies do you use to help people get to the place where they're in a healthier mental and emotional 
as well as obviously physical relationship with their money. So I'm working at this point in time as an educator, not a coach. So I'm not necessarily coaching them in that way, but I'm giving them the tools through education to hopefully mm-hmm. get their way there. And one of the strongest things you do is you work at a budget, you build a budget. And, and when I say budget, I'm not just saying, okay, I can spend $100 on groceries and I can spend $20 on gas. I'm, I'm talking about a living, breathing uh, worksheet that you continually update so you can see, okay, my income is higher. I can, I can spend a little less here. I can, and, and have those items where you can prioritize things for yourself. And it's very empowering to say, you know what? I don't want to go out to, to a meal. I don't, I don't want to spend that money because then it would be popcorn and whatever else. I'd rather go out to a nice dinner. This is, this is what I can afford. This is the type of restaurant. Or maybe this week I can stay home so that next week I can go out to the nice restaurant. And by seeing things in front of you, by seeing how you're changing that, uh, oh, now I have more income than expenses this month because I made a few decisions. And as it gets more, more used to it, and as you get more familiar with it, then it becomes something that you're able to use. Because for most people, the reason that it's uncomfortable is because they don't understand it. The reason it's hard is because they haven't done it. And anything, anything is hard when you don't know how to do it and becomes easier as it gets more familiar, as it gets more regular in your life. And spending that time, investing that time will help you to have money to invest. Now, when we think about pivotal years, I think there's sometimes a concern that we've waited too long to make a good financial decision to start saving or whatever. What advice do you have for someone who might feel behind because we're talking most of my tribe is midlife, you know, there's a couple of scenarios in my head. Someone who feels like they're behind, they've hustled hard to this point and they just really haven't been able to or haven't saved what someone might have subscribed would be necessary. Well, first off, we don't know what's necessary for anybody else. I can I can make judgment calls and whatever else, but it's it's a number out of a hat. They used to the wisdom years ago was, oh, you need a million dollars in your retirement fund and you're fine. And that's not really what it is because it depends on what you want out of your retirement. And it depends what your expenses are. So if your expenses are low, you need much less in retirement assets. If your expenses are high, then obviously you need much more. So are they starting later if they don't start until their 50s? Absolutely, they're starting later. That doesn't mean they can't get where they want to go. It might look different than it looks for someone who started saving in their 20s. But, you know, it's it's everybody's journey is going to be different. And we're talking about right now the the greatest uh, wealth transfer coming up as as uh, our parents and, and older are, you know, Generational wealth is getting passed down. And for some people, that becomes the retirement savings they had never been able to put away. So with this wealth transfer, as our our parents and beyond are are passing, and that money is getting transferred down, that becomes investment uh, wealth that you hadn't counted on and, Mm -hmm. and that you expected. And so for some people in their 50s, all of a sudden, they've got that retirement money they hadn't been able to put away earlier. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more worried for our children who, you know, the expenses are going up right now. They can't buy that first house because there aren't any starter homes out there. You know, it's it's money is weird. It is what it is. It's controlled by factors way beyond our ability. Uh, all of a sudden, you could lose your job and be concerned and end up in a job that has more opportunity than what you had had before. I, I wouldn't go out and say buy lottery tickets, but, you know, there's there's opportunities we don't plan for that all of a sudden present themselves and be aware of them and be open to them and, and always be looking to make that positive change in how you approach your finances. Okay, I haven't been able to save before, but now I can start saving. Great. Start saving today. It's, it's as easy as that. I, I hadn't gotten my expenses under control. Now I understand things better. Do better starting today. And mm-hmm. that's and that's okay because until they invent time travel and I haven't come back to tell myself we have yet, uh, you can only do as, as well as what you know how to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to appreciate that and accept that and be motivated by that to continually look for ways to do a little bit better today than you did yesterday and a little bit better tomorrow than you did today. Mm. The word wealth and the idea of a wealth mindset, it, you know, wealth means different things to different people, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's okay too. That's okay too. For some people, wealth is having a lot of things for other people. Wealth is having everything they need. I mean, and there's so many different things as to what people think they need. So (laughs) there's there's no way to say wealth. There's no target number of what you need for retirement. There is no target age to retire. There is no way to retire. There are people who retire and they are done and they are on that golf course and in the Winnebago and whatever. And that's their retirement. There are other people that... want to be a greeter at a store or whatever else just to work 10, 20 hours a week to have something to do and feel that they're still a part of the community an active way, whether that money is used to pay for their groceries or to buy things for their grandchildren. It doesn't matter. It's nobody else's business. It's between them and, and their accountant or their debt collector or you know, their investment manager, whatever, depending on where that income fits into what they have. And it's okay to ask those people for help and for advice. One of the best things you can do is sit down with with your financial professional or sit down with your partner and lay everything out. Hey, these are my goals for, for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years. And these are the income and the assets that I think I have to get there. And what are you thinking and and have that conversation so you can be working toward the same goal and getting the information you need to get there. Mm. What strategies do you encourage couples to use? Like just a hint, couple of things that uh, might help them get on the same page. Talk, <laughs> communicate <laughs> first and foremost, talk. Um, Yeah, I would say for them to start by separately putting together a list of their goals, uh, financial and and otherwise, and then combine those together, sit down and talk and and come up with priorities, whether the 
things you both agree on or, hey, you know, my husband wants to take a week long fishing trip every other year. Okay, well, then let's put this in and and see where that looks. If that's something really important, what's something really important to you or whatever it is, you can't you can't work together if you don't communicate. And Mm -hmm. if you're having trouble communicating, you've got to bridge that gap before you can go anywhere else on that. It's hugely important on money. Mm -hmm. This is a little off topic, but do you find that finances really do break a lot of marriages? I am aware of a number of, of people that have had significant issues talking about finances. I watch couples who it's obvious they have different goals and mindsets on money. And it adds a huge amount of stress to to a marriage. Mm-hmm. I deal with couples where, where uh, I'll talk to one party. And if I call the other one, because it's some a question about their stuff, they'll just refer me back to the other party. They don't want to know anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell them it's important and, and whatever, and but they just don't want to be involved in the financial aspects. And I fear for them because at some point in time, they may have to do everything and they will have intentionally, you know, know nothing. What was that from uh, Hogan's Heroes? I know nothing. <laughs> And, and they don't want to know. And it's like, you got to know this is this is important. What is it about money that freaks people out so much? Money is, well, some people consider it an entitlement. And some people consider it beyond their grasp. And other people, it's random. I can go to, I, you and I could have gone, grown up in the same neighborhood, gone to the same schools, had the same degree at the same university and be earning different money so it's a crapshoot what is my what is my passion or what is my ability and all of a sudden i'm i'm great at what i do and you're only mediocre but you're earning three times what i'm earning and i know it just because of your job title and your corner office money is is frustrating because in some ways it just seems random mm-hmm and it's scary. It's a resource we need. I mean, I, I can't move forward and do the things I want to do if I don't have money to do them. And I have so little control. I can't make people buy my book. I can't make them hire me to be a speaker. I can't make, you know, the value of any of my stock investments go down. I can't affect the value of my house if I were to go to sell it. So money's this huge resource and you have limited impact on it. Mm. You can control your expenses a lot, your income a little, and the rest of the world, not so much. I can't, I can't change the price of gas at the station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, and how does one, how does one rectify that and begin to feel more in the driver's seat as much as they can? Goes back to the budget. Okay. And, and the net worth statement, because then with the net worth statement, you can see your progress. You can see you're paying down your mortgage. You can see your, your wealth building for your retirement and non-retirement accounts. Um, and on the budget statement, you can see that your expenses are within your income. You can see that your expenses are within your income, even with investments into savings accounts and uh, retirement accounts. 
And that area of the budgeting is really where you have the most control. You can make the choice to have a big house or a little house or what area you live in that house or mm -hmm. how you spend your money. That's the only control you really have. I mean, you can, you can go out and get a second job or a third job or a better job or more education or whatever, but uh, our expenses are really where we have the most control. Mm -hmm. So looking so at the, got, it, the flow, watching the flow and, and turning on and off the spigots where necessary. Right. Right. Ben Ott, I'm going to stop going out to eat for a while because right now I need to tighten my budget. I'm going to cut off a few of my streaming services because maybe I don't need 17 movie channels. <laughs> um, I'm going to use my smartphone for another year before I upgrade or keep my car a little bit longer before I upgrade. Those are decisions we can control and expenses we can manage. Other things are a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that what I hear you saying is it's really maybe better. You have a big picture, but you're living in the day to day. Like I think if we get so caught up in the big picture, you talked about those people who have the money, but they've lived so long with that big picture needing to look a certain way that they aren't able in today to live in a way that's maybe more empowering or more free. Because I think freedom and money in the same conversation, you know, we feel beholden to it. Like you said, we don't control what we make. In other words, <laughs> I feel like you do. I see like in different, let's say coaching, for example, you see people that are coaching in their 20s, you know, they don't know what this person over here in their 40s and 50s knows, but they might be traveling the world and everybody's paying them to coach. And you wonder, why aren't you paying someone with life and experience and, and a, a resume? I don't know why. Is it a worship of youth? Like, what is it? But I tried to be really careful not to allow those realities to stick to me in a way that I quit. And I think that that feeling of giving up or that feeling of being discouraged can be difficult for people. Absolutely. And, and I try to uh, remind people that they're only competing against themselves. Mm -hmm. This is a game everybody can win. I can do better tomorrow. You can do better tomorrow. The person down the street can do better tomorrow. It's finding a balance between that day-to-day -day of looking at your budget and that longer term of looking at your net worth. Because if you don't budget in for those contributions to, to your net worth, then it's not going to grow. And one day you'll wake up and say, it's not where I had thought I would be. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you do have to look at the day-to-day -day because that, those are the decisions you can make. Mm -hmm. I can make decisions on what I spend today. I can make to some extent decisions on what I earn today. And I can make decisions on, on how I try to impact the rest of everything. But, but you have to look at, okay, this is, this is my power. This is, these are the choices I can make. I can get no brand, store brand, whatever food this week and cut my grocery bill by 10 or $15 a week. I can brew my coffee at home instead of going mm -hmm. to wherever. And I call those the onlys. It's only saving five bucks. It's only saving 10 bucks or it's only spending those amounts. And those onlys will, they'll get you. 
those onlys just sneak up and they all kind of pound onto each other. And the next thing you know, you've got a mountain of onlys that stopped you from reaching your bigger goals. Mm -hmm. And you can't compare someone's onlys to someone else's onlys. Maybe that's one of the profound thoughts is maybe we're busy looking at how someone else's appearance of wealth and success is. And you said earlier, understanding what it is that we want. You know, is that really what we want? Or is that feel, is there a story in our mind that we're not successful unless, you know, I feel like that mindset piece behind it might need a little bit of investigation. Absolutely. But it's okay to have something that really means a lot to you. There mm -hmm. may be, you know, because of your parents, because of school experience, whatever in your life made something really important to you, that's okay. But identify it and make a plan for it and set a goal and, and map out a path to get there mm -hmm. rather than just feeling less than because you don't have it. And it's going to be hard for you to reach your goal if you're continually competing with someone else who has a different goal. You know, I, mm -hmm. I need a sports car because a fancy car is everything to me and it doesn't matter to me where I live, but maybe you need a house that, that is just immaculately decorated, but you don't care if you drive a 20 year old car, as long as it's running and safe, that's okay. Then don't compare your car to my car. <laughs> they both get us where we're going. And, and it's, huge to identify what's important to you and what's not important to you. Uh, I think too many times it's so easy to just get caught up. Hey, let's go out and do whatever because mm -hmm. they're your friends and you want to do whatever with them and you don't want to feel left out. And, but you're spending more money than you wanted to, to do that, whatever. And it's time to say, you know what? Love you guys. Would love to see you. I don't want to spend that kind of money on that kind of thing. That's not my priority and find a way to say that, that feels authentic to you. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think you can also maybe say, okay, this can't happen today. When can it happen? Like if we need that idea of, because for some people, as soon as you restrict them, they go crazy. It's like you can't have a cookie and now you have to eat the whole pack of cookies kind of a mindset. And that's why you have to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, I'm not putting you on a diet. I'm <laughs> suggesting you might want to eat more healthy and you have to figure out what they, what that means. Here is whether it's the calories or the salt or the, whatever it is that that you need to to watch and and what have you and for you to make those choices i'm not going to tell you you can have one cookie because frankly you know cookies are like crack you open the bag and the next thing you know in my house they're all gone <laughs> i get it i get it and and so you just have to be able to figure out what you need, what works for you financially. What is the thing you can cut and not miss? What is the thing you can cut down but not cut out? Where are the things that, uh, that are your priority that you can say, you know what? I really want this big whatever. It's going to be real easy for me to cut out the smallers because 
I can see that I could get this if I didn't do that. But everyone's, everyone's goals are different. There are people, I don't really have a priority, but I have a lot of little things that I want. Okay, well, that's fine. This, this is a level you can have. You can combine however you want of all those other things to get to that level, but you can't go above it. Mm-hmm. Because, because that's your finances. That's the number of dollars you have. And if you go above it, now we're talking debt. And you can choose to do that because everything has to be your choice. I'm not going to tell someone you can only spend what you have. I'm going to tell you it's smarter if you only spend what you have. I'm going to tell you you're probably better off in the long run if you only spend what you have. But I'm not the money police. Mm. And, and people have to make those choices and they have to own their choices. They have to own their money by owning the choices to get them where they want to go. Mm. It's personal responsibility, really. And I think maybe an honesty with ourselves where we are, where we want to be, you know, for me specifically, I, I live in a humble house. It's a normal house. It's not fancy. It's in a normal neighborhood. And I don't aspire to have 14 bathrooms. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or a big I don't even want to clean the bathrooms I have. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, no, I, you know, more space would be nice, but not you know, that idea of having a museum for a home, but other people, that's, I see what you're saying. You know, that is something that's necessary to them for whatever reason. And there's no judgment in that. Like you said, there's no judgment in that. And that's the piece that I'm pulling out is if we could remove the judgment that we attach to money, what it represents, what we think it makes us, because I think for some people, the money equals their value, their own personal value. I figured this way, if you didn't borrow money from me, so it's not my money you're spending, I don't get to have a vote in how you spend it. (laughs) I don't even get to have an opinion in how you spend it. That's your money. You get to do with it. Now, if you borrow money from me, then maybe we got to talk because theoretically you borrowed it and I'd like to get it back. (laughs) But, But short of that, it's not my business. Well, except as an accountant when it is my business, but but that's, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to make those decisions and I don't have to compete with you on your decisions on what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give us kind of three anchor points on this idea of financial literacy and money, what three things do you want people to absolutely take away from your knowledge about money and literacy and finances? Spend the time to put together a budget and a net worth. Mm -hmm. And I do have worksheets on my website. So you could just download them. Uh, They're Google Docs, I believe. So you can just go right on, save them to your Google Drive, update them for your information, and get a snapshot of where you are. Knowing where you are is a huge starting point for any other decision you're going to make. And then I would say, learn. If there are money decisions that have to be made, take the time to understand, ask the questions of the people who understand this information better than you do so that you can make an informed decision to get where you want to go. And finally, uh, it's your money. You've got to own it and you can only own it if you understand it. Marcy, how can people find you and those worksheets you mentioned? So everything is on my website, www.moneymarcy.com. 
my name is spelled M-A-R-C-I. So money, Marcy spelled that way.com. There is a link to my book on Amazon. There is a link to, um, I think I call it links and spreadsheets. So it's got some links to some IRS and other sites that might be useful as well as any spreadsheets that I've created and I'm continually adding to it. Uh, on the uh, right side of the, of the uh, search bar, I guess near the top, it has links to my various social media. I'm always collecting more stories of your financial changes or victories. Uh, I'm always working on my next book and uh, looking for interesting things to write about in the blogs or to shoot my videos for. So if you have topics you'd like me to explore or stories you'd like to share, I would love to hear them. Wonderful. Well, Marcy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit and share your expertise and your passion around money with me and my tribe. I love the practicality that you brought to this, just the plainness. In other words, it wasn't lofty and intimidating. You made it very relatable and comfortable to have this conversation. And I know that this is something that will help the people who listen, because we all have to deal with this issue and we all have different emotions around it. Right. And I feel like what a wonderful way that you show up to share this information that is quite painful for a lot of people or scary. And so I appreciate your diffusing that for us today. I'm so glad that you came and spoke with us. Gina, I'm so glad you had me. I really enjoyed being here. Fantastic. Friends today, if you are finding Marcy and I on YouTube, If you just look down below, I will have the links to her and her social media, so she'll be easy to find. If you are on the podcast platforms, just head over to www.feminineroadmap.com forward slash episode 302, and all the links to Marcy will be there. Friends, this is one of those conversations that I think needs to be had on a regular. Money is something that moves in and out of our lives. Our emotions fluctuate when it comes to money. But if you really look at it, it is something that we need and we can become friends with it. A resource like Marcy will help you understand it better, become less uncomfortable with it. If you're someone who's very confident in your money situation and you're not afraid of your money, maybe you could share this podcast with someone that you know that is struggling to understand it or to want to be in relationship with it. But here's the truth, friends. Money is something we all need. Money is something we all use. And the more powerful we feel around that idea of money, the better life we can live, whether it's extravagant or it's simple. Either way, money is something that we can use to accomplish that. So take care, my friends. Thank you for joining us today for this conversation. If you loved it, please share it. And we look forward to sharing more inspirational people and conversations with you in the weeks to come. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.